As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, Civilized Barking, Zach Jackson, flying solo. It is conference championship weekend. Um, we know the final four teams that are left, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Niners, uh, and the Eagles. Um, a lot of you guys probably won't listen until that's over. Um, I don't think you really care too much what I think. Or maybe it's just a tease for when we get one of those legal sports book uh, sponsorships here on Civilized Barking. And I'll give you my insight. No, I, I don't know. Um, that stuff's everywhere. This is, you know, obviously a really good Sunday of watching. Um, Browns fans may or may not have strong feelings, um, emotions, one of them being jealousy of the Bengals. Um, you know, I really I think the Browns have deep ties to the Eagles, and they respect their – we'll see. I think it'll be Eagles-Bengals. I've been wrong once or twice before. And when I say that out loud, it sounds silly to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So let's just – I'll have a couple Diet Cokes and enjoy the games on Sunday. On Monday, uh, I am off to the Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama, um, for several days of watching the practices, um, getting to know a lot of the draft prospects. So I think, you know, we all know the Browns need defensive line. We all know the Browns need wide receiver and linebacker. We know the Browns don't have a pick um, in the first round. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, the senior bowl is a valuable, I think in terms of getting up close to guys, you get the real measurements, you watch them actually play football, not just run around in the really tight shorts. Um, and, and you see some guys that I think probably mostly, especially for the Browns would be fourth or fifth round picks. And guess what? Uh, it's time for the Browns to hit on some fourth or fifth round picks and, and find some guys that can come in and help this team. Uh, we know what's at stake here. They'll never say it, but Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry know what's at stake here um, next month, uh, the next two or three months, actually, and in, in next season, right? Um, and we'll see. Look, especially with the Bengals in the Final Four, the last time the Bengals lost was Halloween night in Cleveland. Um, there is doom and gloom. There is a sense, a reality that the Browns are not currently a contender. 
but I really don't think uh, everything is bleak. You know, sometimes I roll my eyes so hard through the computer screen or through the podcast that it may think that. Uh, we've seen the bottom here. But look, guys, the Browns got better the moment that season ended. Just shit show after shit show. Um, some of it self-inflicted, but really all going back to Deshaun Watson being acquired last March 18th for an organization that, um, you know, didn't show readiness for taking that on, didn't have answers on when it's $230 million man was going to play. And, you know, that permeated everything. So when I say they got better this season, it was over. That's not a knock on Joe Woods, who was a good man, um, who probably should have been removed, frankly, from his position months, months before that, but wasn't. You know, you're just not going to win when you're in December trying to figure out um, how to play offense. You're just not going to win when your quarterback hasn't played in 700 days and is coming into a situation of new terminology, new system. The linemen have to learn him. The play caller has to learn him. They have to learn each other. He's never played with these receivers. The receiving core is is very blah, right? Amari Cooper was playing hurt at the end of the year. So the Browns have some good players. Do they have enough? No. But do they have key guys at key positions? Yes. And when I think of the Senior Bowl and I think of this time of year, and we're going to get to some asking Jackson questions here, I think of someone you know who sent me this one said that you've long said you know the the Colts were really respected in terms of how they ran their operation, and and the Colts right now are a laughing stock. I mean, if they hire Jeff Saturday, they're going to become the laughing stock. They're going to become the Browns of seven eight years ago, right? But, you know, in, in my travels and in my time, I, I really meant that from from going to the Senior Bowl, to the Combine, from following along um, that front office, that organization, the way they did things was was really respected. Well, they screwed up. They never got a quarterback. And so I think one of the things the Browns said a year ago was we're not going to be that, you know, and it's it's always a silly debate. I've seen it kind of play out publicly. And first of all, I would encourage you guys to all just take a Browns vacation. Um, at some, at some point I tried at least for a couple days to a couple weeks, but you know, is Deshaun, was Deshaun ever a top five QB? Does he need to be? Well, that would certainly help, but the Browns made the investment in him and they trust in the talent. And I think even when you begin to say that he stinks, you know, you have to think about what you're saying, but to get back to the point, like, I don't know that he needs to be the fourth best QB, the seventh best QB, the, you know, whatever. I think he needs to be much better and more comfortable and on the same page with Kevin Stefanski, with Amari Cooper, with his offensive line. The talent's there. Um, the coaching structure is going to be there. You know, can he shake the rust and come back? I think he can. Can Nick Chubb still have a monster year? I know he can. Can Amari Cooper still have a really big year? I think he can. Right? Does did the defense automatically get better the first day there with Jim Schwartz? Yes. You know, what they do personnel-wise, how guys fit in, how young guys develop, we'll see. Can you fix a defense in a year? I think there's proof there you can. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are proof of that. Um, even the average teams have waves and waves. Pat Green, wave on wave of defensive linemen. The Browns don't have that right now. The Browns don't play for many months. They know this is a pressing need. They have Miles Garrett. It's a pretty good start. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I think the Browns' personnel decisions and some other things that have gone on, you know, have led them to these this string of third-place finishes that was ended by a fourth-place finish this year. 
You know, at the start, that was huge progress because the Browns were the laughing stock of the league. You know, I think there are things that still go on that make the Browns the laughing stock, one of the laughing stocks of the league. But the roster has come along. Um, the guys know what they're doing. And I think the challenge is out there, guys. I mean, look, Stefanski wouldn't say this, and he doesn't say a lot, and I get it um, to an extent. We, we've been there. And he's under pressure, and that's going to happen. That's the nature of the beast, right? And he, he he's choosing to bring back Mike Prefer, and we'll see how that goes. You know, they got the A-list guy and Jim Schwartz, and we'll see how, how that goes. He should have almost everyone back. It was reported that Bill Callahan – Got the extension out of the interest, um, you know, and we'll see. We'll, we will see how that goes, and we will see if Kevin Stefanski is employed by the Browns 12 months from now. But to me, the bigger issue than any of that is the talent acquisition. Um, and do they have enough? Can they have enough? You know, can they make up for the mistakes? Can they develop guys that they already have? And can they find a way this offseason to get where they need to be in terms of depth, in terms of twitch and pop to the receiving game, you know, in terms of allocating the resources? Because it's not just, and we'll get to this when we get to the Eskin Jackson questions, a lot of questions about this. It's not just identifying player A, player B, and player C and their trade costs or their signing bonus costs and how you structure that contract for this year and for three years down the road. It's the if-then. Right. It's if we get this guy, then what? If we have to pay up for this guy and then what? Every year you go into free agency and the trade period and you have a plan A and you have a plan B. And certainly you have to have a plan C, D and E to an extent because guys retire, guys go back to their old teams, deals fall through on failed physicals or last second offers by current teams or just just strange circumstances. Right. I think last year you could have seen Amari Cooper to the Browns. Um coming I think you could have seen Watson coming but you know he told them no and then it still happened right and nobody knew exactly how that was going to go um so you'll see that but but more than than getting actually to plan C and D most of the time it's okay plan A and B are available but the cost has gone up from what we projected or what we wanted and if we spend here so there's there is a long way to go um in that the Browns are going to need to draft contributors in the second and third round. And I'm not even going to say the picks because we know they're going to trade and do that. And they probably have to. Um, one thing I'm going to start writing and talking about next week is trading that second round pick and going and embracing the reality of a full win now mode, right? Using that as the valuable resource that it is to go get that defensive lineman, um, to go get that, that wide receiver that helps you and in, in your $230 million investment get to the next level. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I would just, you know, say this. If this was the Ravens and GM Eric DaCosta, and I told you guys to bet that he could get an impact player at pick 43, you'd absolutely bet that he could and he will and he would, right? The fact that you wouldn't make that bet on this Browns regime says there's a problem. And then you start looking at the mix of problems that they've had. And the so-so draft picks and guys who are just okay, you know, and they have a bunch of fourth and fifth round picks over the next two years, but they haven't had much to show for picks they've made. Um, we'll see. 
and they've invested in Jack Conklin, and they're probably going to invest in Jedrick Wills. And those have to be right because offensive tackle is important, and offensive tackle is more important when you have a quarterback who wants to freelance and you're asking to freelance and extend plays, and you think that's where he can make you different. So we will see um, how all that goes. But what we're going to do for the rest of this pod is I'm just going to stroll through some of these Akron ja- Askin Jackson questions. You send them to Akron Jackson on Twitter. If you use the hashtag Askin Jackson, there was a printed mailbag from earlier this week. I encourage you to go listen to that. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll do one at the various stages of the offseason. But wanted to get to some of them here. So I question from Chris who sent about 13 questions. Uh, at Barry's last presser, he mentioned listening to the new defensive coordinator's desires for the DT position. Is it possible steering resources away from DT the last two years was a Joe Woods request, not organization-wide, as far as get me quarterbacks and fast linebackers? No, Chris, no, it wasn't. Um, and I think league-wide, you know, there are times where the Browns come off as reinventing something. That's not one of them. Um, you know, defensive ends and corners just have more value. Now, do the good teams have – Really good linebackers and good defensive tackles, yes. Um, I think what happened more than anything else is the Browns didn't think all that highly of Malik Jackson, who was at the end of his career playing on one leg, and Malik McDowell, who they took a shot on and ended up you know, getting the egg on their face, but they weren't getting a high level of – certainly not a high level of consistent play from him. They didn't think that the defensive tackle position would be that bad. They didn't. And so whether that's misevaluation, whether that's lack of development, you know, whether that was what those guys were asked to do combined with the linebacker injuries, combined with the fact that in the Atlanta game when Miles Garrett wasn't there, the Falcons just started running the shit out of the ball and every other team saw that as a blueprint and continued to pound the Browns with it and that leaked to other ends of the defense. All of those things were factors here. So no, do I think that we're misreading how the team was built? No, the team was built on, you know, 215 to 220 pound linebackers and resources going into Jadavian Clowney, resources going into the cornerback position, 25 million guaranteed going to John Johnson, you know? So, I, you know, we'll see what happens with Schwartz. I'm not going to go full scheme thing and, and, and pretend I know a ton of it. You know, I'm familiar with his work, and, and he's had good players, certainly on the defensive line. Um, he's a well-respected guy. I think more than anything, you take Solis, and this is not a guy who needed this job, and he took it. He believes in what he has. He took it knowing that there were some real personnel deficiencies in the front seven and that they don't have a first-round pick for two more years. So there's some belief that they'll get it done here. But, you know, teams just value that position. And, you know, frankly, the Browns just need more big plays out of Greg Newsom. You know, they just need JOK to stay healthy and make more big plays. We've, we've seen him do it. He has great instincts. He takes the ball away. He closes quickly. You know, can Schwartz find a way to not play him on 80% of the snaps and still let him be an effective player? I think he can. Is there a lot that goes into that, including who else they add at linebacker and at defensive tackle? Because defensive tackles were always going to be a key to fully unlocking JOK and keeping guys off of him, then yeah. So um, I'm 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 opti- I have a level of optimism for Jim Schwartz's defense. I don't think we're misinterpreting anything about what happened. I think Joe Woods' schemes and in communication failed, and I think personnel failed too. I think there's a lot of blame, you know, to go around. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Question from uh, the Browns is the Browns, which that's a good name because the Browns certainly is the Browns. Trade one draft pick for a veteran DL. Who do you think AB makes the deal for? You know, it's too early to get into that. Um, as far as specific names, because I would be lying to you. And I know some people just go on the radio and lie. Uh, I'm not going to do that on this podcast. I know the name that's been put around is Deron Payne, you know, from uh, the Washington football team, the commandos or the commanders, whatever they're called these days. And I know people look and say, well, they can't afford to keep him. And part of that is they gave a big deal to the other defensive tackle, Jonathan Allen. You know, organizationally, they have invested there, but they are going to create money because Carson Wentz is going to come off the books. And so I think at very least, they probably put the tag on pain. But again, that stuff, guys, this is the end of January. That's stuff that usually starts coming in mid-February to the end of February when the combine starts. And we start seeing how that's going to go. The Browns need a stud D-tackle. Is it smart to pay for a 27 or 28 year old defensive tackle who some whose current team is ready to move on from him. History would probably say not. Um, is this a desperate times, desperate, desperate measures situation? It sure shit looks like it is, right? So we'll, we'll see there. Um, the Browns also need a starting defensive end, guys. I mean, they drafted Alex Wright. He has all the traits. He's not ready to be a starting defensive end on a great defense. He's not ready to be that running mate for Miles Garrett right now. So, um, yeah, they have a lot of needs. Another one from Chris Schwartz has a desire to work with his player's strengths, but he also spoke about pressure from the D-line as the key rather than coverage. You know, what will give Barry decides the value DT or Schwartz has to run a defense with corner as a strength. Well, there's nothing wrong with having corner as a strength. And the Browns really believe they do, right? They really believe, like, Martin Emerson is only going to get better that Greg Newsom is a good player, and he is. Um, that Denzel Ward is an elite corner, and he is. So, you know, in terms of what you're asking and what they wanted to – sure, every single defense, regardless of scheme, regardless of coordinator, wants to get home with four. And they know that the best way to disrupt the quarterbacks, especially the absolutely elite quarterbacks that the Browns have to play and, and have to chase down here in the AFC, um, is to get there. And, and that's why they're glad they have Miles, and that's why – 
um, two first rounds and something else isn't enough for miles, even if people come calling. So again, that's what, that's what we're tracking here. And, you know, what I'm throwing out here is a trade of the second round pick to get a defensive lineman, you know, using your resources to go get a proven defensive lineman, you know, in free agency and then having to skimp in other places, you know, Six, six, eight, ten, twelve months ago, was there a scenario where the Browns trade a Wyatt Teller, a Greg Newsom in the positioning here? Yes. Do those guys have great value right now? I don't know. Do I think the Browns realistically have any interest in trading a Nick Chubb or a Miles Garrett? No, and I don't think that that makes them better. So we'll see. Uh, A.B. and his staff are put to the test here. And, and we'll see. Another one from Chris. Will Miles be open to Schwartz's tough love approach to coaching? I think deep down the Browns believe that they still are going to see the best of Miles Garrett and that they're going to see a Miles Garrett who, A, ups his sack total even though it's already ridiculously high, and B, um, is a little more on the field headlines than off, right? Like, the bullshit with Miles getting suspended and Grant Delpit getting suspended, like, that's stuff that happens in a bad season, and the Browns need to figure out a way. Like, I've said all along, like, Grant Delpit, whatever he did for that one-play suspension, shame on Kevin and whoever else was involved. Find him and get him on the field. Like, don't even even open to show. And shame on Grant Delpit for whatever he did. Like, that's off a bye week. Like, let's have some professionalism here. You're not a 21-year-old rookie. But – at the core of it, do I think Miles is going to buy in and do I think Miles is going to play his career or almost his entire career here and still have a chance to be that defensive player year that he always talks about being wanting to be? Yes. Um, by the same token, do I laugh when I see the headline, Miles deserved to be defensive player of the year? Yes. Um, no, he, he didn't. He didn't. And yeah. Uh, do you see John Kaminsky as a possible free agent target for the Browns? Seems like a perfect fit. Young athletic interior DL help. Yeah, you know, I think Kaminsky is more of an end. I think that's the kind of guy. I mean, and he's a local. Um, it, so that's why you're. That's why Kevin is singling him out here. Yes, we, we know what the Browns want, right? Guys with upside. Guys that don't have a ton of mileage on them. That for whatever reason, stop one or two, something, there was some factor in why it didn't work. Um, given what the Lions are building and how they got John Kaminsky for nothing last year and how he's still, you know, I, I don't think he's going to sign for A or even B list money. He probably goes back. But is that the guy they're kind of looking for? Yes. Um, given what the Browns value, age and athleticism and untapped potential, is there another local guy who might be on their target list, Paris Campbell, if he hits free agency? Yes. So those are names that we're going to get further into. But But, Kevin, you're asking the right thing. And, like, a John Kaminsky who can play inside or outside and whose best football is theoretically ahead of him. Is that the kind of player that, that the Browns are going to target? Yes. So we'll see. Um, is my mother-in-law John Kaminsky's real estate agent? Yes. <laughs> Does that mean I'm going to get any insight into John Kaminsky's plans? No. He's a heck of a nice kid, and I would love that. But my gut feel um, would be that, that he's going to go back to Detroit. We'll see. This is an interesting one. Josh asks, Askin Jackson, since Stefanski took over, the Browns have thrown for 300 yards only six times in 54 total games. The wide receiver core and quarterbacks have been subpar, obviously. But in an age where the NFL legislates 300-yard games, isn't this a damning indictment on a Stefanski offense? I'm going to get you a deeper answer, Joshua. 
Uh, and I started to the other day because I wanted to make this in the written mailbag and it, I just, I kind of had more relevant questions. And that's not putting down your question, that's saying this. It's an interesting one. I would ask in return, how many true 300 yard games are there? How many of them happen because it's just a back and forth game and you need to score 28 or 31 and your quarterback and your pass game are just that good? How many of them happen when you're losing and you're chasing? You know, as far as the Browns and that, yes. Did it take notice that from week five and 21, Baker versus the Chargers to the end of the Jacoby's run here to have one single 300-yard game? Yes. But still, could that be kind of an arbitrary number? And don't we know the Browns winning formula is running, you know, feeding Nick Chubb, mixing it up? So, yeah, I don't – is it a damning indictment? No. Is it something I want to look at and something now that I think the Browns can say? Hey, we're doing this right. We're going to be a more vertical passing game. Um, the numbers are going to reflect it. Sure. I just, as we head into the thick of the offseason, I would stress this. The Browns are in the wide receiver market, guys. And how it works with Amari's contract, you know, with Peoples Jones kind of having a, not kind of having, but definitely having a good year and, you know, showing that he's worth the further development. Um, you know, is it a true A-list guy? Is it middle of the draft? Is it before that? Is it, you know, getting creative with with the trade? They're in the wide receiver market. They want to be better in the pass game. They're working all the time on meshing their base offense with what's best for Deshaun, um, what they saw from Deshaun, good and bad, and how they could have helped Deshaun by having guys that can get open deeper down the field. They 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 just are. That That's what's going on. So question from Dave about, this made the written mailbag about all the playoff teams having the waves of defensive line. And we've been over that, you know, at the core of his question, is it reasonable to think the D line can actually get fixed in one off season? Yes. There's two reasons that answer is yes, Dave. One is emphatic. Well, I mean, it can't be much worse than it was. And I, and I, I, I hesitate to say that a little bit because in the back half of the season, Clowney played well guys Dude, like go, go back and watch. He did. And the Browns will miss Jadavian Clowney as a player. Now, could you fairly say it was four, five, six, eight, nine times a, game, a year that we got the best of Javian Clowney and not 17? Sure. Um, if anybody watched the Cleveland Sports Awards and Joe Thomas got up there and said that the favorite, if you're betting on the Cleveland Sports Awards, Javian Clowney's not going to win the Courage Award, that was a good line. And shouts to Anthony Lima for writing that line for Joe. Um, anyway, you know, can they fix it? Yes. You know, do they really think that Isaiah Thomas can develop? into at least a back-of-the-rotation rusher who can help them win? Yes, they do think that. Can they? Do they think that Alex Wright can develop into a starting quality or even a little better player in another year? Yes, they do. Um, you know, do they hold out some hope for Perrion Winfrey, for Jordan Elliott in the contract year? They do, and those guys just have to be better. So that's on the coaches. That's on the players to do that and, and get those opportunities. Um Here's one from Big Daddy, and, and we'll we'll get out of here. Do you think the suspension going from six games to 11 saved Kevin and A.B.'s jobs? No, I don't. I think when the Browns made that move, they committed to a long-term thing. Now, do I think as we as we go ahead and do hypotheticals and, and look back at what could have been some revisionist history, do I think playing Carson Wentz saved the end of the season from really getting ugly and hard questions being asked? Yes, but I don't think Stefanski or Barry or Deepa Dessa were ever going anywhere. The rest of the question. I have a feeling watching 11 games of Watson struggle would have gone far worse than just the final six, especially since the playoffs were already there. Well, you know, he did struggle. But, again, to go back to the top of the podcast and say, like, 
Of course he did, right? And so you don't want to easily dismiss things. Um, and one of my concerns is this, despite all the dysfunction they took on and all the uncertainty, this was year three for this regime. And there should have been better special teams play, better communication, better bottom to middle of the roster knowing um, about things. But you were taking – they weren't sure how to handle the quarterback situation in the spring, in the summer. Jacoby played well, had obvious limitations. And then you're taking an offense that had been into the season, into the back half of the season, and having all these moving parts and all these what-if concepts and the rest. Like, it just wasn't going to succeed. So, yes, if the Browns finish under 500 again, these guys are probably getting fired and shit they probably should be. And again, I'm going to keep saying it. The bigger risk than keeping Stefanski is letting these guys run another offseason because they have not done a good job. That's obvious. I can't believe some people want to argue that, but they do. So there's big decisions ahead, but there's big months ahead, and they get a chance to do it. And they get a chance to be in the playoffs next year and show that they should have made this trade, that they were right all along about what they had, that they were on the right track. Um, do I think that's going to happen? Not all of it. Do I hold out levels of hope, optimism, uncertainty? Yes, I've, I've, I've kind of painted that picture. But there's no running from, from the reality of, of the Browns are a middling team. Um, there's a lot of AFC teams that have a chance to further leap them, I think, in this offseason where everybody gets better. And then we'll just see. They have to win. Um, they have the pieces to, to potentially do it. And we'll see how, how all that goes. So, anyway, I'm off to the Senior Bowl. May or may not do a live room from down there, guys. I mean, I, I don't know, you know what that's going to be like. But if you do listen, if you do read, appreciate it. You can go check the Ask and Jackson mailbag that posted on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, we'll see. And then, uh, you know, we, we get into the offseason here. So back on the writing front, uh, back on the travel front. And thank you for coming along the ride, uh, for the ride as we got back on the podcast front here on Civilized Barking. Oof.